Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. If you're not there already, we'll begin in Philippians chapter 2 this morning. This is a very familiar chapter in the Word of God. And if you remember, if you were able to be here last week, we uh, started talking last uh, last week in Sunday school uh, on uh, the subject of serving. The Bible says about serving. And uh, if you remember last week, we uh, made our time looking at different service uh, ser- Servants, rather, amen. I'll get it right here in a minute. Amen. Uh, servants in the Bible. Uh, we talked about uh, first and foremost. We talked about the Apostle Paul and uh, how the Bible uh, says that he was a servant. How he uh, chose to use uh, that terminology about himself uh, when he was describing what he wanted those that he was writing to to know about him. Uh, he said that he was a servant of Jesus Christ in Romans one one, Philippians one one. And uh, Titus 1-1, that throughout his ministry, in the the early days of his ministry, he wanted to be a servant. Uh, In the difficult days of his ministry, even in prison, he wanted uh, to be a servant of the Lord. And uh, then in the latter days of his ministry, and as he invested in the next generation, uh, he still wanted to be a servant of the Lord. Uh, We talked about James in James 1-1. We talked about Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 1. Uh, to where in uh, we see Peter's growth between 1 Peter and 2 Peter, because in 1 Peter he says that he is Peter, an apostle, uh, but then in 2 Peter he is Simon Peter, uh, not only an apostle, but before he mentions being an apostle, he says that he is a servant of God. And so he references his past uh, before uh, the Lord changed him and his direction and, and his name. And, uh, and we see a reference to uh, what really had become to matter most to Peter. And that was instead of just having a, a name of being part of God's special group, if you will, he wanted to be known as a servant. Uh, Jude chapter number 1, verse number 1, we finished up talking about that. And how uh, Jude, even though he was the brother of the Lord Jesus, uh, wanted us to know that he was the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. And I'm not going to... Uh, take the time to mention these uh, in terms of turning there and looking at them. Uh, but, uh, but the Bible tells us that Timothy was a servant. Uh, that's Philippians 1.1. Uh, David was called a servant of God in Acts 13.36. The Bible said that David, after he had served uh, God in his own generation, fell on sleep and was laid to his fathers. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 7. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. And Philemon chapter number 1, verse number 23, uh, describes uh, Paul's uh, companion in ministry, Epaphras, as a servant of God. In Romans 16, 1, Phoebe is called a servant of God. In Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 1, uh, John is called the servant of God. And uh, he wanted that to be known as he wrote the Revelation, uh, that he was a servant of God. Uh, Moses is called not just a servant of God, but throughout the Bible, Moses is called the servant of God. Uh, that became a title for Moses 
uh, throughout his ministry. He is called uh, the servant of the Lord more than anyone else in the Old Testament. And uh, there, are, there are dozens of verses uh, that go along with that. And so we understand that just like those uh, individuals, if they have served the Lord uh, despite their flesh and despite uh, the failures that they had in their lives and uh, us being able to see so much of, of our life and our existence and how we are in them, uh, if they can serve the Lord, we can too. And so we understand that from the Word of God. Jesus said, He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And so if we want to be great in the sight of the Lord, we've got to be willing to serve. Everyone desires, or at least I think every Christian should desire, to do something big for God. But we must remember that Christianity is not simply about gaining a position or personally advancing ourselves. But rather the way that you do something big for God is not in, in terms of getting a big name for yourself, but it is in serving the Lord uh, by serving others even as Christ served others. Uh, that is what it means to do something big for the Lord. And so uh, Christ is our great example of service. And that's what I want us uh, to look at this morning. Uh, first of all, as I said before, let's look in Philippians chapter number 2. Let's begin reading in verse number 5. And as we do so, the first thing I want us to bring out uh, as we consider how Christ is uh, the great standard of what a servant is. Christ is the chief example of what a servant ought to be. Let's consider, uh, let's consider the servant's example. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 5. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you. Paul is writing to those in Philippi. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It didn't take anything away uh, from God the Father by the fact that uh, Jesus was equal with God as the Son of God. Verse 7, But made Himself of no reputation. Now consider that for just a moment. He is equal with God, but chose to make Himself of no reputation. There is no greater entity with a greater reputation than that of God. God has never had any true tarnish upon His reputation. Now I understand that we live in a world today where people want to charge God with things and to say that he has a tarnished reputation. Uh, there, are, there are those that deny the Lord, atheists, agnostics, and, and others of the like who would like to charge God with, with all kinds of sinful activity and wrongdoing. But in reality, uh, his reputation is untarnished. And so for, he, for Jesus Christ to be equal with God but make himself of no reputation, no, uh, not to put himself in uh, the position that he deserves to be in as God, uh, not to walk into this world and, and uh, in, in terms of uh, from a human standpoint, rule every kingdom and have all of the world's wealth in his hand. He decided to make himself of no reputation. And the text goes on to say, and took upon him the form of a servant. So the Son of God is a servant. And we need to understand that the Bible calls 
for all of the sons of God to be servants as well. God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, said that He took upon Him the form of a servant. And I'll deal with that more in a minute. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also had highly exalted Him and given Him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'll conclude reading there for just a moment. But let's consider first of all this morning the servant's example. Uh, who and who is the example of the servant today? We we've already mentioned it. The example is none other than the Lord Jesus. He is our standard. He is our chief example. If you were to look in the book of Isaiah and you were to do a, a study of the book of Isaiah, you would find that there are four chapters in the book of Isaiah uh, that are called uh, in those in the realms of those who study. Uh, the, the Word of God, Bible scholars, if you will, they are called servant songs. That's Isaiah 42, verse 1 through 4. Isaiah 49, verse 1 through 6. Isaiah 50, verse 4 through 9. And Isaiah 52, 13, all the way through chapter 53 and verse number 12. Uh, the majority of Isaiah 53 is the most famous of what is called the servant song, uh, servant songs, rather, in the book of Isaiah. Now, uh, you may you may not have done much study in Isaiah 42, 49, or 50, but between the last part of Isaiah 52 and all of Isaiah 53, who are those passages talking about? It's talking about the Lord Jesus. It is a description of the Lord Jesus' life and His death and the prophecies concerning uh, what the Savior is going to do uh, in taking our sin upon Himself, dying upon Calvary, and uh, uh, beating uh, the Savior uh, for the entire world where the price for sin has been paid by His own blood. Isaiah describes Him as a servant that is suffering. It has been called, he has been called the suffering servant in Isaiah. Why is that? Because he, in doing all of those things, is serving humanity. Here we find that in the Old Testament, Jesus was known as a servant. At least the, the idea of who uh, Jesus of Nazareth would be. Uh, the name is not given in the Old Testament. But the description of what the Messiah that we now know as Jesus Christ, and we have that name per the New Testament, what He would do in service for humanity. He is a servant in the Old Testament. And here we find clearly that He is a servant in the New Testament in our Bible. Paul made sure to let uh, the Philippians know that when he was speaking to them of the mind that all Christians should have, of the attitude that all Christians should have, the mindset, if you will, that every believer is to have, he gives the example of the Lord Jesus to where that which is true in the mind should come forth in our practices, and that is an attitude, a mindset of self-sacrificing service. Here we find that 
The Bible mentions this about the Lord Jesus. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So Paul there is encouraging them in Christ's likeness in this manner. And he says, "Who notice this, who being in the form of God. That word form obviously means the physical appearance. Uh, it is, uh, it is uh, uh, that which we, the, the part of Jesus that we uh, can, can see. That is to be viewed. It was already seen in the sight of God uh, that God, uh, that Jesus before He ever came into this world uh, was uh, the uh, was God. That he noticed the word being there, that the present tense of that. When Jesus came into this world, he was already God. He could already be viewed as God. There were others who already had known uh, that he was God. God the Father, all the angels of heaven, all of those that uh, took uh, that uh, had taken a knowledge of him uh, even before uh, this world began. We understand that he already was presently. God. He was in the form of God. He was being in the form of God. But then from the form of God, from being God Himself, the Bible says that He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself. You see the difference there? There's one thing that He is being that He already is, but then there is something else that He made Himself to be. You see, as God, Jesus never had to be a servant to anyone before. He had, he had all of the multitudes of heaven that served Him. And His purposes, and every human being on the earth is supposed to serve His purposes. But when He came in the world, He made Himself something that he did not have to be. No one could force him to be what this is. He was God. But as God, as equal with God the Father, as God incarnate, he decided to choose to become a servant. The Bible said he made himself of no reputation. And notice this, took upon him. You see the choice there. He took upon him the form. Same thing, he was in the form of God. Now he is in the form of a servant. Before he entered in this world through Bethlehem's manger, he was already in his form, in his person, God. He could be viewed as God because that's what he was. But then, once he made this choice, once he came into the world, and once he began his life, amen, the Bible says that he took upon him not just the form of God, but the form of a servant. Now I'm thankful that to take on the form of a servant he did not have to abolish the form of God. <coughs> he never stopped being God when it came to him being our servant. And in reality, that made him the greatest servant humanity could ever know. Because we have a we have an individual that has come into the world serving our physical purposes, serving our spiritual purposes, who was God in the flesh. And as God, He was able to go to Calvary and offer you and I the greatest service that anyone has ever offered us in dying for our sins and making us uh, making uh, access for us to have a home in heaven and a place 
in the family of God. So one was what he already was, but then the next is what he chose to be. The Bible said that he took upon him the form of a servant, the form of a slave, of an attendant, of one that was bound to serve, that one that is in subjection, one that is in subserviency, one who gives, think about this part of that definition, one who gives himself up to the service of another. There was so many things that as God coming into this world, Jesus could have demanded of humanity. But He had given Himself to the will of someone else. He had given Himself to the will of His Father and He was serving His Father. But He was giving Himself to the service of humanity as well. I would say that uh, this extends to us uh, by uh, this idea of Him giving Himself uh, to the service of another uh, gives us a great example of what we ought to be like. That God is calling for us to choose to be used by Christ to extend and to advance His will and His causes in the world in which we live. God wants us this morning to make the choice to see Christ as our example and to follow in the footsteps of servanthood that He has laid before us. Jesus was God, yet our Lord purposely sought out opportunities to put others first. He decided to be a servant. Mark chapter number 10 and verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Here we understand that when the Bible here in Mark 10, 45 says that He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. It is interesting that the word minister here is the same word that Paul would use twice in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, and 1 Timothy chapter 3, and verse number 13, as the word deacon. As we talk about that office, we have often said that means to serve, or they are the servants of the church. Jesus here, within that, with that word, He said that He came not to be served, but to serve. He came not to be attended to, but to attend to the needs of others. The word here is literally comparable uh, to what we would find if we went and uh, sat down in a, sat, a sit down restaurant and we have that little girl or that young man come to the table that we would call a server or a waiter that they are attending to the needs of someone else that they are bringing food and drink by. And the word here for minister literally means one that supplies the necessities of life. One that attends to anything that may serve another's best interest. In other words, Jesus here is being said to not have come to have His needs ministered to. Not, he has not come to receive necessities and blessings and, and, and provisions necessarily for His earthly life here and to just rack up all that He can get out of this world. But He came to minister to the needs of others. He came to provide for the necessities in others' lives. 
And of course, as I've already said this morning, we know that not only did He do that physically for those in His earthly ministry as He touched blinded eyes and they were open, as He touched withered hands and they received healing, as He, as he raised the dead to life again, as He did all of the miraculous things physically that helped folks in this world, the greatest need that He ministered to was the need of salvation. And it's spoken of here as the Bible says He came not to be ministered to but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. That speaks of His death that He's paying the price for many. Not all will be saved but He paid the price for all to be saved. And He gave His life as a ransom payment uh, for those that uh, had been uh, had been wrapped up in sin and uh, sin's penalty, and so we understand that he came to minister. He came to be a servant, and if you read the pages of the four gospels, you will see Jesus serving on every page. Here in Mark ten forty five, that also gives me in the person and the example of the Lord Jesus a great definition from the Scriptures as to what a servant is to be. The Bible said He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. A servant is one who is a minister and a servant is one who is a giver. That you, you minister with your life. You give of your life to others, not just financially. Not, I'm not talking about giving in that way. I'm not talking about ministry in terms of preaching or uh, whatever the case may be, but of the, the giving of one's life, the offering of one's life for uh, the aid and the help of others. That's what Jesus did. He took upon Himself <coughs> Excuse me, uh, the form of a servant and He gives you and I the perfect example of what, a Christ, of what a servant is and what a servant ought to be. So consider with me this morning uh, our Savior, His example as a servant. <clears throat> consider His humility for a moment. As I've already stated here in Philippians 2, verse 5 through 7, we see humility throughout. The Bible says there in verse 6, He was in the form of God, but made Himself of no reputation took upon Him the form of a servant. And look at, look at this. Was made by making that choice, by making Himself of no reputation, by taking upon Him the form of a servant. The Bible says, in those things, He was made in the likeness of men. In being made in the likeness of men, it is accomplishing those things. The Bible says in verse 8, in being found in fashion, as a man, he humbled himself. Verse 7 and verse 8 speaks of his humility. He humbled himself to the point to where he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself to the will of his Father, even though it meant his own physical death. He humbled himself to the needs of wicked humanity by being willing to die for them. He humbled himself to the hands of humanity. As the Bible said that Jesus said, no man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down. As Jesus, as God, 
could not be physically uh, handled by any man and forced to do anything except he allowed it to happen. But he allowed the wicked Roman soldiers to take him and to nail his hands and his feet to an old rugged cross that spoke of obedience to them and to their will. He was, even though they thought that they were doing something to him, he was really doing something for them, even for those Roman soldiers trying to pay for their sin debt as he lay allowed them to lay his hands upon the cross. Here we see his humility that even though he was God incarnate, it was not beyond him to act as though uh, he were equal with God the Father because he was. Yet he came to earth, not with pomp and circumstance, but he was born in a small town in a lowly manger and was largely unnoticed by the world. Uh, he being God, humbled himself to love sinners, to care for the hurting, to heal the sick and the wounded, and to wash the feet of his disciples. The ultimate act of Christ's humble heart was His uh, dying for our sins upon the cross. Uh, think uh, of something in your mind of the times throughout the Bible where Jesus uh, displayed humility. And if you look at those areas, you will uh, see uh, areas in the life of the Lord Jesus where we can't help but marvel that we have a God that is God incarnate but chose to humble Himself Consider His humility. Secondly, I encourage you to consider His heart. Consider the heart of the Lord Jesus. The heart of Christ is evident throughout the Gospels as He repeatedly seeks out needs uh, uh, to, to help uh, others in life with as He has a desire to meet their needs. He was not self-centered, but the Bible says He was moved with compassion. He loved people and He wanted to serve them. <clears throat> Take your Bibles with me real quickly in the book of Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter number 8. I want you to look there for just a moment. We'll be back in Philippians 2 momentarily. But look at Luke chapter number 8. Uh, this, this verse, is, this passage has been on my heart. Uh, I've heard it. <clears throat> it's been preached even uh, as of late. And it's been on my heart ever since I've heard it preached. Uh, but uh, I want us to look at this and consider for just a moment the Lord's heart in this passage. I think we see uh, we see it clearly within the pages of this these verses. Uh, these verses are clear, uh, and uh, you know them well. The Bible says in verse forty-one, and behold, there came a man named Jairus or Jairus, depending on how you want to say that. Uh, Jairus is how I pronounce it, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. Now, verse 40 says that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received Him for all. They were all waiting for Him. So there he is. Uh, there is a crowd around Him. But as He is being crowded, there is one that comes to Him uh, named Jairus, uh, who is a ruler of the synagogue. And as you know from the ministry of the Lord Jesus, this is not a crowd that He uh, usually has as His biggest fans. But Jairus comes, falls down before Him, and you know the story. Uh, the Bible says there at the end of verse 41, besought him that he would come into his house for he had one only daughter <clears throat> about 12 years old and she lay dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had spent all her living upon physicians neither could be healed of any uh, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? 
had all denied Peter, or we have all denied Peter, and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared <clears throat> unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. And verse 49 says, While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And the Bible says there in verse number 41 that Jesus came to his house. And we know the story there. Can I say this? We find here in this passage uh, two individuals that it is obvious that Jesus cared for. We find with this woman the issue of blood after she touched him and he heals uh, her uh, by her touching his garment. He speaks to her in kind language. He calls her daughter. He cares about her comfort. She, he, she said, or he says, be of good comfort. And so we see the Lord's care with this woman with the issue of blood. But I would say we especially see it uh, with Jairus. So one part of a group of people that are normally not friendly to the Lord, uh, but here as as uh, Jairus uh, comes uh, to the Lord, and, and notice the wording here. If you believe that your Bible is inspired of God, and these are God's words, we must understand that yes, God used human penmen to pen the words, but they did express the heart of God. Notice what is being said here. And, and there's details in these words that are not necessary necessarily for us to understand that the miracle took place. But notice the heart of God in these words. And I don't know how you read your Bible, but I can't help but notice these. Look at verse 41. The Bible said, There came a man named, and behold, there became a man named Jairus. He was ruled in the synagogue and fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. This man is laying before the feet of Christ and he is begging he is begging for him to come to his house. And it, it is said, why? For he had, notice this, on one only daughter. Now, for us to understand that this miracle took place, all we have to understand is that there is a daughter here. Mm -hmm. But the Lord wanted us to understand not only Jairus' heart and Jairus' brokenness, but I believe the Lord wants us to understand that he... He is compassionate and caring about that which is burdening Jairus so much. That this, that this is his only daughter. And Jesus cares about that. That she is 12 years of age. The fact that she lays and dies is something that naturally speaking, we would all say is a tragedy. Someone so young dying. Jesus cares that this is Jairus' only daughter. Jesus cares that <clears throat> she is so young but yet she lays a dime. She, he cares about what she's going through. And even though the people are thronging him and this woman interrupts this interaction with Jairus, the Bible says that after all of that, Jesus didn't just go on His way. But the Bible says in verse number 49 that, his, that, that this situation with Jairus has not 
completely absenced itself from the Lord's mind. When this servant comes, and the Bible says that the servant told Jairus, trouble not the master because his daughter was dead. The Bible said Jesus heard it and immediately wanted Jairus to fear him. He wanted Jairus to not be broken and overcome with grief over those words because Jesus had already handled the situation. He said, believe only she shall be made whole. And the Bible is letting us know that Jesus here has the ability to handle those things. And He wanted Jairus to know that. He wanted Jairus to know, I hadn't forgot about you. No need for you to be afraid. I'm going to take care of this. So we see the heart of the Lord Jesus here. The Bible speaks much uh, in the, the, the Bible speaks much about ch the charity uh, of a believer. First Corinthians chapter number thirteen, the the love chapter, the charity chapter of the Bible talks about love and how a Christian is to have love. Of course, we understand God is love. He embodies all of those things that we are to have as Christians toward one another. If you are going to be a servant of God, you're going to have to have a heart of love for people. Not just for what serving God and the service of God can get you. And not just maybe what doing visible external acts of service can get you if you're serving people. Well, if I do something for this one, then I may get this as a result of it. No, that's not what the Lord is speaking of here. Their true servanthood is those who are ministering as Mark 10.45 said Jesus did. Those who are giving as Mark 10.45 says that Jesus did. And they're giving of themselves expecting nothing in return and we see here that that's what the Lord wants of us. To have, as He did here in Luke chapter number 8, a true heart of concern for those in which He come to Obviously, we understand. I'm going to close with this. Obviously, we understand that Jesus is God. We've already mentioned that. I'll even mention that in the service this morning. We understand that the Bible clearly teaches us that He is the Son of God. We began in Philippians chapter number 2 talking about that He was equal with God. It was not robbery for Him to be equal with God. That's already who He was, but He made Himself of no reputation. We understand that. But at the same time, uh, even, though, even though He is God, uh, we understand, uh, even though He's God, we understand that Jesus uh, still had a, had a heart for people he still cared to serve. And even that, that was the idea of Him to caring about these individuals as He is doing His God work, the work of His ministry. He is not too good to stop what He's doing. We understand He's sovereign. He had business to do. He knew these individuals would come. But the Bible tells us that He stopped what He was doing he had a conversation with Jairus. He had a conversation with this woman. Both of them received help from the Lord. Why? Because the Lord cares. He knew they were coming. As he walked on that, on that, on that road that day, he knew they would come. But in the moment, he's still teaching us how to be a servant by his own So I encourage you, let's he let, let's see and let's heed. Our great example of servanthood this morning. Amen. I'll pick up there as the Lord leads us in the days to come. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook, 
or at our website, bbclexington.com. Jesus,